I don't know if y'all knew this, this has been an unusual year. Okay, in case, in case it slipped by you. It's been an unusual year. Uh, you guys have been faithful and generous through the year, and uh, we're very grateful. Uh, we do want to finish uh, 2020 strong. We want to finish uh, well and so that we are positioned for all the things we feel like God is calling us to do already uh, for next year. Really excited about the things that uh, we feel like God is leading us into for 2021. Uh, so, uh, a couple of things just uh, get us ready for Christmas. Uh, Christmas Eve service is coming. Uh, we're going to have the Christmas Eve service this year on Christmas Eve, and uh, it's just kind of a tradition that we we do that. So, uh, four o'clock and six o'clock. So, two services, about an hour in length each one, maybe a little bit less. Four o'clock and six o'clock on Christmas Eve. Uh, we'll be taking up a Christmas offering. Uh, uh, in particular, on Christmas Eve, everything we receive at, at that service, um, every year at Christmas Eve service, we take up an offering that we give away, uh, that we give to, to someone that we know or some ministry that we are familiar with, that we care about. And uh, so this year, we're, we're dividing that Christmas Eve offering between two things. Uh, one is one of our missionaries, a missionary in Asia. Uh, her name is Tammy. And one of her grown children is starting a school. And they need money to help them get that school started. And so um, we're going to participate in that. And then, um, so we'll give part, half of it to that. And then the other half we want to give to the Thomases, who we just sent off uh, as missionaries uh, to Europe, to Scotland. And uh, uh, we just expect that there will be some unexpected transition costs uh, that they will have. And so we want to... Um, help them with that. So those, those are the two things uh, the Christmas Eve offering will be going to. If you're not going to be here on Christmas Eve and you want to participate in the Christmas Eve offering, you can do that just when you uh, go online to give. Just look for Christmas offering and make sure you designate uh, that or give in, in that portal. All right. Uh, what else do we have? Okay, stories is coming up. And uh, that will be December 20th, which is, guess what, next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be an exciting time, a lot of fun testimonies uh, from the Night of Hope. And here's, here's a quick glimpse of that. Yeah, I was just speaking to someone just in, in passing or the guy next to you. or You know, you'll know if you want to be at a place, at a church you know, very shortly after walking in the door. And it's, it's, it's not necessarily based on the message because you haven't heard that yet. It's based on feeling that you're accepted where you're at and comfortable being yourself in, in that place without, you know, feeling like you're not, people don't want you there or they're just judging you or, or something like that. Vanessa's story that you heard part of last week. We have a couple of other stories that you'll get to hear, and um, they're just celebrations of things that God did, uh, particularly at, at Night of Hope, 
And uh, we want to celebrate those stories. But then also, um, Austin Ludwig, our worship pastor, will be bringing a message after the stories video about his story and about our story and how God is calling all of us uh, into his story. God, God wants you, your story, and to be in his story. He wants to make that connection with you, and that's, that's his invitation. So here's what we want to encourage you to do between now and Sunday is invite your friends. Bring family members, friends, neighbors, anybody that you know who maybe their story is not finished yet. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out what their story is, and they haven't quite made that transition of, hey, my story can be a part of God's story. Uh, this would be a great, great Sunday to bring people like that, people who are, who are searching, or maybe people they don't even know they're searching, but you know that they are. And uh, so we encourage you to invite them. Now, we have some cards, uh, the little black card with some white print on it that's very easy to read and clear uh, that just says stories, and then it gives the times. I want you to take those with you today and pass those out on your way out today. Uh, there will be people coming after you. No, I'm just kidding. There'll be people out in the hallway with cards, and they'll pass them out in little stacks of maybe four or five. And you can just take a stack and, and take it with you and give those out. And uh, it'll be great. So stories next Sunday, both at the 10 o'clock service and at the 6 o'clock service. Y'all go with that? Ready? No? You, you okay? You're okay with that? Hmm. Y'all sound so excited. All right, so uh, I know Mike asked this already, but how many of you were at the Christmas tea yesterday? Yeah, it was fun. Let me just say it was an exciting time. Uh, if you weren't here, you, you, maybe you watched online, but if you, did, if you didn't get to be here or watch online, uh, you missed the, the onstage singing debut at Riverstone of, of my wife. <laughs> She's going to kill me later, but it would be worth it. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing time, uh, Melissa and her cousin Mandy uh, sharing with us, and just, just a fun time. So it was a fabulous uh, celebration of God's goodness together, and just the importance of family and the importance of, importance of connection. And, and I know this, this has been a, a really strange year, and, and a lot of you, the, the thing that, that, that you've realized maybe through COVID more than anything else is the importance of connection importance of being with people, importance of being with friends and being with family, because uh, at, at different times throughout this uh, season, and, and for some of you even right now, that has been taken away or, or lost, and, and uh, God doesn't want any of us to be alone. He wants us to be connected, and uh, He wants us to be a part of family, and so uh, we want to figure out ways, even in the midst of, of COVID, we want to figure out ways to make that happen. Uh, so that no one feels like I'm, you know, I'm walking through this difficult, confusing, uncomfortable season by myself. There, there's no reason for any of us to have to do it alone. So uh, I just want to encourage you with that. Uh, last week, we started talking about uh, discipleship. And, and one of the things that we mentioned is that the importance of believing rightly uh, about God um, one of the things that we said was that if, if you believe the wrong things about God, it will have negative consequences uh, in your life. Now, believing the wrong thing really about a lot of things, just about anything can have consequences. If I tell you fire 
is not hot. And you believe me, that, that, that could cause trouble for you. And so if we believe things about God that are not true, it can cause trouble in our lives. A.W. Tozer in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He goes on to say, for this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God, just as her most significant message is what she says about God or leaves unsaid, for her silence is often more eloquent than her speech. Right thinking about God is not just necessary for good theology. Right thinking about God is, is actually necessary for life. It's, it's necessary for thriving. If, if you want to live free, if you want to live free of shame, if you want to live free of burden, if you want to live free of anxiety and pressure and fear and pride and hatred, the starting point is believing the right things about God. Uh, idolatry, we all, we all know that uh, idolatry is wrong, right? Do you know what a, a good, simple definition of idolatry is? Believing that God is other than he actually is would be idolatry. If you believe that something is God that is not God, right, then that's idolatry. And if you believe false things about God, that also can be idolatry. So what is God like? It's a simple enough question. Um, and if you get the wrong answer, it can begin a, a downward spiral in your life. And so today I'm just going gonna, gonna to hit on four things, just four basic things uh, that we need to grasp uh, and, and have a general understanding of when it comes to God. Number one, God's holy. God is holy. Now, if you look up holy in the dictionary, it might say exalted or worthy of complete devotion, perfect in goodness and righteousness. Uh, many of us have, have grown up hearing all of our lives that God is holy and we are not. And, and for some of us, this, this presents a bit of a problem. Uh, many people have even taught, and, and maybe you have heard people teach, that because God is holy, he cannot fellowship with sin, and that because God is holy, every time you sin, your fellowship with God is broken. Any of you ever heard that? Any of you ever believed that? Yeah. One of the places that we, we read in Scripture that kind of gives us that, that idea and makes us think that way is Habakkuk 1.13, where it says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. 
But we have to interpret that, and we have to sort that out in this context. The clearest, purest, most accurate revelation of God that we have is Jesus. When Jesus saw people stuck in sin, he didn't turn away from them. He went towards them. When Jesus saw people struggling in sin, he didn't draw back. He didn't turn his back. He actually moved toward them. When Peter denied and lied, Jesus went after him. Jesus pursued him for the purpose of restoring him because Jesus had a purpose for Peter. It was a destiny on Peter's life. I want to read from Luke chapter 15, uh, verses 4 through 6. This is a pretty familiar passage. Jesus is speaking, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. This is a story, a short, quick parable that Jesus gives really to express his heart towards the lost, his heart towards those who sin, even his heart towards those who wander, even those who have believed and have wandered away. His heart is for us. He, he is moving toward us. Because we have believed that God turns his back on sinners, we've done the same. We have lived with an unhealthy separation from the very ones that we're called to love and to reach. The church in the West has become terribly consumeristic. Now, it's my opinion that uh, consumerism and community have very different responses to messes. How many of you love messes? Yeah. I, when, I, when I first met this lady up here, I had no problem with messes. I, I really, I, you know, I, I grew up in a house. Uh, there were six kids. It was crazy. It was chaotic. Uh, there was just stuff everywhere. You know, I, I just grew up believing that dishes belonged in the sink, you know? And then I got married, and I, I was taught, <laughs> you know, uh, cleanly, cleanliness is next to godliness, that <laughs> verse that's not in the Bible that we all like to quote. <laughs> I, I love Dr. Seuss. Y'all like Dr. Seuss? Y'all know who thing one and thing two are? If you can find thing one and thing two, I need them. I need them in my life. Thing one and thing two can clean up any mess. But consumers and community have different opinions uh, about messes, yeah, messy things and messy lives. I'm going to say to you today that you cannot make disciples without making messes. 
You cannot make disciples without encountering messes because the very people that need to be discipled, the very people that need to become disciples are messes. And that that includes us. I look back on my life, and when I, before I became a Christian, my life was a mess. And not only was it a mess, it was messy. It was messy. And, you know, just to give you an illustration, and I've told you before, you know, what what my dad said to my mom when my mom said she was worried about the friends that I was choosing, my dad's response was, well, his you know, his friend's parents are having the same conversation right now. My life was a mess, and my life was messy. And when I came to the Lord, do you know how long it was before my pastor took me, put me up in front of the whole church to speak? Seven days. Do you know how much I had figured out? Not much. But I knew that Jesus loved me. And I couldn't believe it. I was so unlovable. I was so far from figured out. I was so far from unmessy. But he, he took me in. He didn't say, you know, we'll, we're going to hide you in the back room until we get you all squared away, and then we'll bring you out put you before the people, he, he said, you're a work in progress, so are we all. You know, during the Jesus movement, uh, there were hippies who started coming to church. And they came to church. They, they weren't particularly interested in church, but they were fascinated with Jesus. And so they came to church because they were looking for people who could tell them about Jesus, introduce them to Jesus, help them get to know Jesus. And and you know what they found? They found people who didn't like the way they dressed or talked or looked. God is holy, y'all. He is. But don't misunderstand the implications of that. His holiness is positioned toward us, calling us to come, calling the lost and calling the messy to him. Nothing less than a holy God can save us. He holds the key to everything. He is holy and we're not. If we were, we wouldn't need him, but his call to us is, is, come to me, and I will make you like me. And we can become like him in his presence. He invites us. So the first thing we need to understand about God is that he's holy, but, but don't misunderstand what holiness is. His holiness doesn't push us away. You know, we've, we've made holiness into rules and regulations and legalism. And, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. And God forbid you even think about that. Holiness is being in the presence of a holy God. He calls us to himself. His holiness draws us. It doesn't push us away. 
Second thing we need to understand about God is that he's just. And because he's just, he must ultimately judge sin. Now, sometimes we're not completely happy with his time frame. Sometimes we want him to be quicker in his judgment of sin, but only when it's other people's sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. John 3.18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Judgment will come. It will. God does not ignore sin. He is not passive towards sin, and he certainly doesn't approve of sin or condone sin. The price will be paid. There, there is a judgment for sin. And, and the judgment, according to Scripture, is death. God is just. God is holy. God is just and The third thing we need to understand about God is that he is merciful. He's merciful. Receiving mercy means means not receiving the judgment that we deserve. If you want to understand the difference between mercy and grace, mercy would be not receiving what we deserve, and grace would be receiving what we don't deserve. So God is merciful. Judgment is coming, but God is willing to delay judgment for a time. First uh, Timothy verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 13 says, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, this is Paul talking about himself, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in sin. When we say that God is merciful, it doesn't contradict his justice. God is holy, God is just, and God is merciful all at the same time. There's no contradiction. It's actually his mercy reveals and highlights his love. It doesn't contradict his justice. God is not anxious. He's not impatient in wrath. He is full of mercy. And he is willing to wait, to even delay judgment for a time because his heart is and has always been for redemption. And then the fourth thing that we want to understand about God is that he is full of love and grace. So God is holy, he is just, he is merciful, and he is full of love and grace. Uh, Not only does he delay the punishment we deserve, but he freely gives love that we don't deserve. And he doesn't wait for us to earn it. The Scripture says that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
He sent Jesus into the world to live and to die and to be raised again while we were still sinners. He didn't just delay judgment and wait, hoping that something would happen. He actively pursues us, and he actively initiated a plan to save us, to redeem us, and to call us to himself. we've, We've made holiness stuffy. We've made holiness stuffy, and it's not stuffy at all. Holiness is the most exciting, most thrilling thing ever. Because the call to holiness is just a call to relationship. We've made these things like holiness and, and, and justice, we've made them into things that are apart from relationship, and they are so much a part of relationship. We've made justice something that we get from each other. And I, you know, we, we can do better. And with each other, we certainly can. There's certainly an element of justice that that we can give to each other, but ultimately, y'all, justice only comes from God because justice has to come from the one who's perfect. And there's only one. There's only one who's perfect. Only God is just, and so only God can give justice, and God is willing to delay justice and give mercy because his goal is love. His goal is relationship. His desire is for you and I to know him. We've made mercy a free pass, and we've separated it from from relationship. Mercy's not a free pass. Mercy's an invitation God's holiness invites us. His justice and his righteousness is for us. His mercy is and always has been associated with relationship. And everything in his nature and his character is purposed to invite us, not to reject us, to invite. His holiness, justice, his mercy, and his love are inviting. They're attractive They're patient, they're kind, they're gentle, they're desiring, they're delivering the absolute best for you. So if you feel unwanted, if you feel undesired, if you feel undesirable, then you've probably misunderstood the nature of God. Now, the starting point for, for all of us is to get this understanding. The Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? What it, what it really means is if God is for us, who cares? Who's against us? If God is for us, does anything else matter? And so the invitation of God is to understand that if you feel undesirable, if you feel rejected, if you feel pushed aside, if you feel unwelcome, if you feel unwanted, unloved, 
then it's because you've misunderstood the most basic thing in life, that God is for you, that God wants you. And if God wants you, who cares what anybody else wants? But the beautiful truth is that God doesn't just call us to himself. He calls us into his family. And God is raising up a family of people who are to be for each other. And that's why Jesus said, they're going to know, they're going to look at you and they're going to know that you're mine because of the way you love each other. I can promise you something. I can promise you a couple of things about, about Riverstone. Going forward, we're going to be family. Going forward, they're going to be messes. And, and some of the messes are, you, when I say that, you know exactly. You just, oh, oh yeah, I know. I hate those messes. You know what some of the messes will be? Some of the messes will be me doing the wrong thing. Some of the messes will be you doing the wrong thing. Some of the messes will be me or you saying the wrong thing. Or thinking the wrong thing. I know. Some of the messes will be. Hopefully, hippies with no shoes. I really would love that. I, I would love. I, I, I really. I'm, I'm all about bringing back the hippies. I mean, the hippie kids we got right here. We're ready. Um, I, I really. I, I want Riverstone to be a place where the lost love to come. I do, and and I know that gets messy, and it's scary for some people. It really is. Um, but most of the messes are not going to be that, y'all. Most of the messes are, are going to be just not doing well in relationship. And, and the church has learned, like the rest of the world, when things don't feel or look the way you want them to feel and look, just leave. Just run away. And that's not the body of Christ. That is not the kingdom of God. That is not the family of God. I, I can promise you, going forward, I will make mistakes. I will. And so will you. But if we're willing, together, to give ourselves to him, he will lead us to a better place. And we'll mess up less. And as we mess up less, he'll bring more messes into our midst because he'll trust us to love well. Because he will have seen us love each other. The holiness of God 
It's attractive. It makes people want to come. That kind of holiness we need to go for. And we need to go together. Now let's pray. Holy Spirit, we, we ask you to teach us about yourself. You, Jesus said that you would teach us everything, and uh, we want you to just teach us what you're like and, and just teach us about yourself. As we read your word, as we read the words that you inspired, teach us. Make us more like you. Create a family that loves the lost, that loves each other, that above and beyond everything else loves you with all of our heart, love our soul with all of our mind and all of our strength. We can't do it, but you can do it in us. I pray, I pray that we would lean towards you I know you're leaning towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite our teams to come and get ready to pray. And Mike's going to come and, and uh, open us up for a time of prayer. Um, I think we have two sides. We have masks and no mask. So if you want to pray somebody with a mask on to pray for you, come to this, to this side, and uh, this side will be unmasked. And uh, so whatever makes you feel safer, you do that. Um, yeah. Don't forget uh, to get your cards on the way out today to hand out to your neighbors. So, Mike.